Good morning, everyone. Or afternoon. It feels like morning. I was up till 2 a.m. last night, so it's still morning. <laughs> Happy Easter. Uh, so a couple uh, just practical points today as we enter into the, the highest feast of the year. Um, and a time that should give you true joy. Not the fleeting joy, right, of, of a passing day where you had a good day. Not the kind of joy where you got in the right lane on I-25. Um, but the type of joy that fulfills your entire existence. That's what today is about. One thing that um, Catholics, I think all of us maybe forget sometimes, Pope Francis has talked about this before. Do you ever feel like Lent just goes forever? This means yes, this means no. Do you ever feel like Lent goes forever? Yes, and if you didn't move your head, I'll see you in confession after Mass. Um, no, we all feel that way, don't we? I know I do at least. I feel like Lent just goes so long. And if you have fasted during Lent, if you've prepared yourself for the suffering of Christ and for Holy Week, you're able to enter into Easter in a full way. And one of the things the church does to show us this is that Easter Sunday is not one day. Um, there's the Easter octave. The glory and the power of today's feast day, the ultimate redemption of humanity, the most powerful event that has ever happened in all of human history. You and I do not celebrate just today. The church believes that Easter Sunday is so big it breaks the bonds of today, and we celebrate today for a full eight days, as if it were one. And I hope you'll live that. You should live the next eight days as if all of them are Easter Sunday. And then with Lent, Lent is 40 days. But God, being a Christian, is so much more about joy and redemption and the love of God than it is about penance or mourning for our sins. And one of the ways the church shows that is the Easter season is 50 days. Lent is 40, Easter is 50. The fullness of the risen Christ radiates through this entire season. You know how you never appreciate a hot tub unless you've been skiing all day? You know that feeling? There are some things that are better only after you've had a hard day. Right? A glass of wine after a long day, I don't know why, but it just tastes better than if you've had an easy day. There's something to that. There's something about these spring days. Right? You all know me, I'm a melancholic. And <clears throat> when spring comes back to us after these darker days, I kind of look out my window and I say, oh wow, there is goodness to life. <laughs> like There actually is joy. What I want to get at with this is you cannot enter the fullness of today's joy unless you wrestle with the problem it solves. You cannot enter into the fullness of today's joy unless you wrestle with the problem it solves. You and I live in this culture where we've gotten very good about distracting ourselves from big questions. We've gotten very good at being distracted. 
And what that means sometimes is that you and I don't think about our dreams and our hopes or conversely our fears. But when we get in touch with those, the greatest fear that every one of us has, the fear behind every other fear, is this thing that you and I call death. There's a, a theologian, I like to quote him on Easter, a guy named Stanley Hauerwas, and he has this great line where he says, he says, modern men and women are always trying to find a way to get out of life alive. And, my, and I always say, you know, if, if you figure that out, please don't keep that to yourself. All of us want to know. But it's not going to happen. There's a lie that every one of us tells ourselves, which is that we will not die. Yes, you will. Someday, and none of us knows the day for ourselves, none of us does. Someday, brothers and sisters, you will pass from this world. Most of the great thinkers of history have known that if you want to live a serious life, not the kind of life where you're just pursuing pleasure and the next distraction, if you want to live a serious life, the first step to living a serious life is thinking seriously about what is the meaning of death. If you haven't thought about that, if you haven't wrestled with that, if you haven't prayed and said, God, what does it mean that people die and that I will die someday? Today's feast, today's redemption can have little meaning for you. Right? Only after you've been in the desert do you really appreciate a cup of water. If you've always assumed everything is just fine, it's hard to understand what today's about. Today, what I want to propose to you, the good news, the redemption of the world, the darkest thing that any of us ever has encountered or ever will encounter is death. And if you've wrestled with that and if you felt the weight of that today, brothers and sisters, today is the ultimate hope. It is the ultimate joy is the ultimate moment that gives meaning to everything else that exists. But only for those who have wrestled. Priests are really weird, as you know. One of the reasons we're weird, we have lots of funerals. And funerals always have their powerful moments. And sometimes in a funeral, what happens is people reveal what they really think about life and what they think about death. And I think today in the face of the resurrection that Jesus has conquered that evil of death, there's kind of two points I want to talk about of how you and I can engage the resurrection as true Christians and what that means for us. And the first one is this. A lot of times at funerals, I've only had a couple of these, but, and I understand why people do this, but a common thing at funerals today is that people will go to a cemetery and when they bury someone they love, they'll release a bunch of doves or pigeons. Now you don't have to, if you, I bet you've seen this, you don't have to raise your hand if you've done this. 
Um, there's something beautiful in that imagery. But it is not Christian. Christianity confronts that kind of thinking. What that symbol says, right, when you go to Mount Olivet and there's a funeral and someone's buried and they release a bunch of doves and they fly off into the heavens, what that image says is this person is now free from this awful world. Their soul has escaped and they're off to a better place. One of the messages of Christianity, one of the things that made us weird in the ancient world and still does today, is that you and I believe that this world was created good by God. And the resurrection is the ultimate moment where God says that to us. We could have just said, Jesus, he ascended to heaven without the resurrection. His soul went back to God. But we didn't say that, and that's not what happened. The Easter accounts where Jesus broke out of the tomb, what that means for us, brothers and sisters, so powerfully is that God made this world good and that he will redeem it from the inside out. And one of the great messages of hope about that is that's true for your life, is that God does not abandon us. He doesn't just say, yep, that was a tough life, but forget about all that. Let's get out of here. The resurrection is the sign that God will make all things in this world as they should be. That is all over the New Testament. People don't think this still today, by the way. I don't know why, but every Easter I think of this song. So forgive me if I've preached on this before. But there's a, there's a 90s song, the era of the best music ever, the 90s. Um, but there's, this, there's a song I used to like from Sting. If you don't know who Sting is, shame on you. Um, Sting has a song called All This Time. And it's a song, I think it's about someone in his life who died who he loved. And two priests come when this person dies and they talk to him. And he, he has this kind of thought where he says, I just imagine my father, whoever this is who died, saying, and then the priests say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the earth. And Sting says, What good is a used up world? And how could it be worth having? What good is a used up world and how could it be worth having? Lots of people think that today. Brothers and sisters, no, you do not think that. The resurrection means that God will transform this world beyond anything any of us could dream. The resurrection of Christ is not just an event in history. It is the paradigm for what God will do for all the world. And that's a hope worth living for. Jesus, today, if you're going to remake all things and make them as they should be, Lord, I can live for that. 
I can live a life of holiness and expectation of the day that you transform all things, where you cast out all evil, all hatred, all violence, all sin, and you make everything as it should be. Jesus, if the resurrection means that, Lord, I can live for that. So you and I are not escapists. We're not men and women who just want to escape this world. And then this, the opposite attitude today. The opposite, and I think this is even more prevalent in our culture today, is the idea that there is no supernatural anywhere. That there's just what we can see and touch, and that's it. And our Gospels today, in fact, all of our readings, I think, speak to this. Our Gospels today, in, in, or the one Gospel, in John 20, John the Apostle and Peter run to the tomb, and it says the other disciple, this is John the Apostle, John, who reached the tomb first, he also went in, he saw and believed. And I just want to talk to you briefly about this. To be a person who believes in the resurrection. In the first reading in Acts chapter 10, the apostles are called to witness to what they have seen. And what, the, what the church wants us to understand today is there is such a thing as spiritual sight. There is such a thing as being able to see reality that there is more than just the physical in this world. Pope Benedict says it well. Pope Benedict says, Faith means that, the, that man does not regard seeing, hearing, and touching as the totality of what concerns him. If all you think is real are the things you can touch, or see or smell, you'll never really understand human life. Man should not view the area of his world as marked off by what he can see and touch, but he seeks a second mode of access to reality, a mode he calls, in fact, faith, and in such a way that he finds in it the enlargement of his whole view of the world. One of the things the New Testament wants us to understand, brothers and sisters, is that different people see Jesus. And they see physically the same thing. But they see him in different ways. Some people, out of the depths of their heart, they can perceive the goodness and the beauty and the depth. And some people simply don't. Faith means in some way that you and I surrender ourselves to a mystery. And I just want to leave you with this today. If you go home today, this week, the octave of Easter, and you think about your life, right now you and I, I hate doing that in the microphone. 
You and I are on this planet spinning through the universe. There are a billion different things operative to make it possible for you to be alive in this moment. And much more importantly, in your heart and mind and soul, you have these loves and hatreds and fears and hopes and responsibilities and all these things that are much more than physical. The resurrection of Jesus Christ that was witnessed right, by the apostles tells us that everything in me, Jesus, all that I long for, my great fear of death, the ultimate fear, the great hope of love, of eternity, of truth and goodness, and that all things would be as they should be. Jesus, today the resurrection tells me that it is true. Lord, that you have conquered death, that there is a spiritual reality, there is more than the physical. Lord, today for all of us here, Jesus, may your resurrection transform our lives. May it free us from spiritual blindness. Lord, someday may we come to conquer death with you. May we share in your resurrection.